Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. by the Saints for a touchdown! It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good! We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! We are Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak getting into the latest, greatest Saints news. And a lot of talk has been, obviously, quarterback. We also want to get into, man, there's sure been a lot of coaching changes after the big keyword or buzzword you would say last year, Jeff, was continuity. Yeah, so we're going to get into a lot of that today. The Saints announced five coaching hires on the staff. So we can, I know we've had a lot of coaching episodes lately. It just happens to be what's been happening. And anytime you have this much turnover, you got to talk about it. So hopefully, this is one of the last like deep dive coaching episodes we do. We obviously all already had the Joe Woods episode. So we won't go into a lot of that, but we'll go into a good bit on some of these other guys. And then after that, I have this very in-depth list of all the quarterbacks who have changed teams and like later in their careers, obviously, and then how they've kind of fared from a playoff perspective on those new teams. Uh, So we're going to go through a lot of that because there's a lot of interesting names on there and kind of see what makes sense to kind of compare and expect from Derek Carr, who is 31 and will be joining a new team for the first time. So I think that's kind of an interesting way to look at it. And then finally, we will have a live mailbag to close out the show as we do on all these Thursday episodes. I really do enjoy those. So I want to keep doing them. But yeah, so first things first, Steve, is there anything that stands out to you when I when I go through this list? Uh, so obviously, defensive coordinator, you have Joe Woods. Defensive line coach, Todd Grantham. Secondary coach, Marcus Robertson. Tight ends coach Clancy Barone, assistant offensive line coach Kevin Carberry. Any of those names that ring a bell for you? I wouldn't say that they – no, they were all guys I had to go definitely look up and learn more about. Obviously most familiar with what we just recently saw out of uh, Joe Woods with the Cleveland Browns and some of his history. But other than that, Todd Grantham was the other name that really stuck out to me just for his history in the SEC. Uh, after looking up the coaches, oh, I'm really kind of most excited 
or curious to see what Clancy Barone can do yeah. just because I feel like he's a guy that's, you know, you look at his resume and uh, the, the talent he has been able to develop and what he has done already and just this moldable piece that I still think has a lot of upside in Juwan Johnson. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And we can get into more about Clancy in a second here. One thing that I think is is interesting and worth noting, these five coaches have a combined 131 years of coaching experience. Right. There are no young, fresh coaches coming in here. These are established coaches. Several of them are coaches that DA has worked with before or has a very good understanding of. And that was kind of what he's talked to John DeSager, the Saints team reporter. And that was kind of the theme. It's like he wants known commodities on his staff. And it's the opposite of what you've seen from like a Sean Payton, for example, where he has known commodities of the guys he's familiar with, but not long term, right? If you go through the six coaches that have left the Saints this offseason, you have Ryan Nielsen, Chris Richard, Corey Robinson, Zach Streif, Declan Doyle, Dan Roshar. That is six compared to five. And those six have 81 years of combined experience. And if you kind of part it down, 37 of those years are Dan Rocher. He's been coaching forever. So you are bringing in a lot of coaching tenure, like years spent, you know, time served, time on task with this group. And I think that was in that was a very intentional thing. It's curious to me because I think that list you just rattled off about the Saints who are no longer here. Richard's the only one without a gig right now, right? Yes, but it, Ian Rappaport just reported today that he did get interviewed with the Broncos, which yeah. always kind of felt like what was going to happen. I was sure. surprised that it didn't get reported immediately, but I don't know when it happened. He had previously done that interview, so that is on the table. But it does sound like he's Sean is closing in on Rex Ryan. Which is so why. Gonna, what, what year is yeah. this? He wants to do the Ryan family Yahtzee. <laughs> My working theory is that when he hired Rob Ryan in New Orleans, he mistakenly thought it was Rex. But then he hired him. He's like, well, I'll look like an idiot if I tell anyone this. So we're just going to see what he has. And then obviously it didn't work. So now that he's with Denver, he's he's correcting that mistake and hiring sexy Rexy over there. Uh, which, you know, I, that, I should say like – He's the front runner, quote unquote. He hasn't hired Rex Ryan, but it does sound like that's going to be his guy. And it kind of makes sense because reports initially were that he was looking at Vic Fangio. So if you're kind of in, all in on that old guy thing, Vic Fangio is the same as Rex Ryan. But yeah. I, I would think you would want that younger voice that connects better with the player today. Rex Ryan is a guy that, man, he's been out of football for so long and comfy in that studio. I'm just shocked that, I guess I shouldn't be, but the fact that Ryan's even interested in getting back in the coaching game instead of living the life in in the in the studio, like I said. Yeah, and I think this gets asked more about college than it does about the pros. But that at a certain point, you do have to be like, okay, are these guys able to connect with yeah. the modern day NFL athlete? Right, like when Rex Ryan was coaching the Jets, even six years ago or however long it was that was a vastly different NFL than the one we're in today. Like it changes that quickly. And so that's the other thing is like, even a Marcus Robertson who is a assistant DBs coach on the Cardinals until this past season. Now he is the secondary coach for the saints. He's 53 years old, right? He's, he only has 16 years of NFL coaching experience, but he is 53 years old. Cause he also played right. Joe Woods is 52. 
Todd Grantham is 56, which surprised me. I was expecting him to be older, considering he's been coaching since 1990. And then Clancy Barone, a guy who's been coaching since 1987, is only 59. So they're not, while they are older, they're not like Wade Phillips old. Like they're not like Andy Reid old, right? So I, hopefully, and, and Todd Grantham is a guy who spent the last season with Alabama. So you know, hopefully he's like all up on TikTok and all that, and he can, he can, he can. Yes, and, and 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 to me, maybe being old and a former player is a hell of a lot different to being old and just you know a, a guy that did, did not play the game. You know what I mean? It was not ever a pro or even a college player, right? Right. And so yeah, Kevin Carberry is another guy. He and Marcus Robertson both started coaching in 2007, which I thought I thought was interesting. But yeah, so the other link that you have is Joe Woods and Marcus Robertson were both on the Raiders staff in 2014. And, you know, this is a very much intentional thing. Like they work together, DA likes them and brought them in. And the only positive I'll say for that is while you can critique heavily the Dennis Allen's time with the Raiders, this was the 2014 season when he only coached for four games. So it's not like if they were there for 2012 and 2013, I would be much more concerned at this point. It's more just like, okay, these are guys that, that understand how to work together. Joe Woods told John DeShazer that he's been up until midnight watching film since he got hired every night. So that's, that's nice to hear good reports on the linebacker group, the defensive line. But yeah, I do think that's interesting. One other thing is uh, Todd Grantham. And this was noted by Dennis Allen specifically. One of the reasons he was brought in is because of his wealth of experience in the SEC and at the college level. Because one of the areas that the Saints struggled mightily in the 2022 season, and frankly, every season over the last four or five, since the kind of RPO offense has exploded across the NFL, they have struggled to handle the RPO, the Eagles game specifically, when Jalen Hurts was in there are prime examples. Kyler Murray, right? Lamar Jackson, all of these offenses that prioritize that, even the, the Falcons for that matter. In week one, Marcus Mariota ran them ragged doing similar things. So Todd Grantham was brought in in part because he has a ton of experience with that type of def- with offense, like defending that type of offense. So I think that's a... I, I think if you're looking for a reason to say, okay, I can get on board with this higher, the logic there is a good place to start because I think that this team improving in that part of the game and that part of the defense is something they have to do. And so at least the defense, the defensive minds are aware of that. You know, you bring up Grantham there too, obviously, and things come full circle. Wasn't he in the mix for the defensive coordinator job when – Sean Payton hired Rob Ryan, right? I am not sure. I'd have to go back and check. I, I believe he, he was. He was the defensive coordinator for the Browns as well. He's coached okay. defensive line for the Colts, Texans, and Cowboys, but he was the defensive coordinator for the Browns. So if you want to look at it this way, the Saints hired five coaches yesterday, and two of them are former Browns defensive coordinators, which is kind of interesting. Well, you can look at it this way. The, a, a once former Browns coach went on to lead the New England Patriots. So it's not where you where you start kind of thing. It's where you end up. I don't know. And there are a lot of former Browns coaches. <laughs> there you go, right? <laughs> they have not had a lot of long-tenured coaches.
coaching staffs there. Um, so that, no, that that's kinda... that. Yeah. What, what, what have you had longer stays at quarterback or at coaching staffs in Cleveland? Who knows? Right. Yeah. It's, it's not exactly a, uh, <laughs> a job Steady. security place. Right. Um, all right. So yeah. So getting to Clancy Barone, who he's the name that I think people know the least about for sure. Right. Interesting because I would argue that he, he's probably one of the more successful names <laughs> yeah. in terms of accolades that have been hired uh, in this group. Because you're talking about a guy who has coached tight ends for the Bears, Vikings, Broncos, Chargers, and Falcons. It's a lot of teams, right? <laughs> and names you know very well. Right. So Algie Crumpler, Antonio Gates, and Julius Thomas are the big names. And then Kyle Rudolph, he also coached to the Pro Bowl when he was there. So he's the first tight ends coach in NFL history to coach four different pro bowlers with four different teams, which is kind of obscure, but I do think it is something that I would put as a feather in my cap in terms of both being proving that you can do it anywhere. And also like, yes, I would like someone who understands the work habits of an Antonio Gates to work with your tight ends. Like that's a positive thing. And I don't know if Jawan Johnson is the guy who you're really going to point him to. Maybe he can revitalize Adam Troutman or, you know, I don't know if revitalize is the word because it's like that would indicate that he was ever <laughs> above where he is now. But we're maybe you can, yes, we're waiting for that. Yeah, that maybe you can pull something out of him that we haven't seen yet. Maybe you go and draft a guy. There's a lot of interesting tight ends in this draft. So I think that was an interesting hire. But I do think it's the reason you lost Declan Doyle. Or who was an offensive assistant who coached tight ends at the Senior Bowl, and now he is going to join Sean Payton's staff as the tight ends coach. And I have a feeling that one of the reasons this was kind of announced on the same day as Declan being kind of reported as the Broncos coach is he was in st strong consideration for the tight ends coach job, and they decided to go with Clancy, which means you know the dominoes fall and, and Declan ends up there. But he's going to be a good coach. He's a, he's a really smart guy. I got to talk to him a bit at the Senior Bowl. And, uh, you know, Sean is making sure to that he has a very strong Saints imprint on his Broncos staff. There's no question about that. Yeah, the, um, you know, another quote-unquote poaching job by <laughs> Peyton going with Declan Doyle. And, yeah, I, th I thought he was going to be a guy that ended up choosing to stay. But I guess – or or ended up making the choice to stay. But I'm, I'm – I might have been confusing that with Kevin Petrie. Kevin Petrie is another – he's another offensive assistant. Sean did offer him a job. I don't know what it was, but he was offered a job, and he turned it down to stay in New Orleans. Like, he's a he's a local guy, so his whole life is here. He grew up here, so that kind of makes sense. Whereas for Declan Doyle, the other guy, Zach Streif, while this is kind of where they have set up shop for the beginning of their NFL career – you know, they're really just trying to advance. It's the same reason Ryan Nielsen went to Atlanta. These are guys who maybe want to be a head coach someday, right? So this is how you kind of get to that point is you go and you take promotions. And that's what these are. So I think the, the second Declan was not the pick for the Saints, he became the pick for the Broncos. And the question now, the only position coach that we're still kind of wondering about is Ronald Curry, who had interviewed with the Bucks for their offensive coordinator position and also the Broncos for their OC job. The Bucks finally filled theirs. Canales? And I don't even know if I'm saying that right either. Yeah, Dave Canales. So they hired him. They interviewed like nine people for that job. They could not, you know, so, and, and once you kind of keep, keep it on interviewing, 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 the guys early on in the list can't feel confident 
<laughs> because <laughs> if you were a slam dunk hire, they wouldn't have never they would have never gotten that far in the process. Right. <laughs> but yeah, and so the final coach is replacing Zach Streif. He's going to be on Doug Marone's staff. And I actually thought this was a intriguing hire because, you know, in a lot of cases, you'll be hiring a young coach like a Zach Streif in his right. first career coaching job into an assistant offensive line coach role. It's why I kind of felt like Jari Evans might have been an in, a good choice there if he was interested in it. They hired Kevin Carberry, who spent the last two seasons as the Rams offensive line coach. So, like, this is a guy with significant NFL experience. And so you have a pretty robust group there with Doug Marone and Kevin Carberry. The other thing that's worth noting about Kevin Carberry is his coaching stint before the Rams was this was with Stanford where he was also their run game coordinator. So when you fired Dan Roshar, you fired your tight ends coach and your run game coordinator. So I would not be surprised at all if one of the reasons you brought Kevin Carberry in on that role is so he could also serve as the run game coordinator. So I think that that's probably where you're going to end up going there. But no, I think these, these hires, you know, if you want to say that Dennis Allen is not someone you trust as a head coach, and I can understand why you would say that, then I think when you look down this list of established coaches, of guys who you trust, of guys who have a track record of success in the NFL, that's what I'd like to see because these are guys who he can lean on as opposed to you're bringing in a lot of unknowns who may or may not grow to be great coaches in the NFL like that would be a much bigger wild card for a guy who I think really has a lot riding on this season and wants to make sure that he's not trying to fill any holes because guys he hires are not who he expects them to be, right? So that's that's kind of where I see this. And I have a hard time hating on any of these hires at the end of the day. No, uh, for me, anything that goes along the defensive side of the football, I'm really not overly concerned with because guess what? I know DA does no defense. The offensive side of the football Still a huge question, what's going to happen for me along the offensive line and with the run game besides quarterback? So coaching is – I can't even think of what P. Carmichael has to go through right now trying to organize a staff when you have no idea what you're doing at QB or even, like I said, running back is a, a major question, like it or not, with that Alvin Kamara suspension quote-unquote looming. Yeah, it does make for some awkward conversations. I think that's why this team – was motivated to try to trade for Derek Carr as opposed to kind of waiting it out in yeah. free agency. One of the things you said to me before we came on was you're surprised that you haven't seen news of Derek Carr going to visit so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And, -so and, -so -and, -so. and he, you know, and, and like he's been a free agent for two days. He's probably <laughs> like packing up his, you know, hotel room or where I sure he has a house in, in Vegas. I don't know. He's only been there for two years, three years, three years. I think they got there in 2020. Anyway, that's why, right? Because now you as the Saints are in the same boat as everybody else. And free agency doesn't start until March 16th. Who knows how, at what point you're going to be able to start making some inroads in a, in a potential contract. And it does put you in an awkward situation in regards to your staffing. I don't know, but you're just, at this point, you're evaluating you at the combine coming up. And uh, I do expect the Saints to be looking hard at running backs even though they brought in a running back, they decided not to give any carries in the game that didn't matter, which I'm still annoyed about. I'm talking about Eno Benjamin. Got two carries. Two carries in week 18. The game didn't matter. You ran Alvin Kamara 23 times. There's got to be something else there, honestly. I mean, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't make sense either because you would think you would get why, – why, why use Alvin in that game? 
why bring him in at all if you're not going to play? Anyway, uh, we'll see. I, I expect him to be on the roster next year, so it'll be an interesting question as to how they view him if they do see him as a viable guy or if he's just a camp body. But yeah, that's going to be... We're going to get into more mock draft stuff starting on Tuesday, like our Monday for Tuesday episode. So we don't need to get into a lot of that, but I do want to put a bow on a lot of this Derek Carr stuff, a lot of the coaching stuff. And then, you know, next week, I think that's when we're going to lean fully into kind of mock draft season, start talking about prospects and stuff like that. I'm just, at least when we're talking mock drafts, we have a first rounder now (laughs) because looking at at mocks previously is like, why am I even looking at this? You know, there's, there's no point. Yeah, I mean, I still don't see much of a point in doing mock drafts for the 29th pick because it's like the variables of who might be available at that point are just crazy. With the amount of trades, right. Right, like the idea that you're going to have any idea what the board is going to look like at that point is dumb. But, hey, what else are we going to talk about, right? No, and I think uh, we uh, that was something we mentioned. I mentioned earlier before we went on. It's like at least when you're doing the mocks, you get like a general sense of a pool of players that could be around at that point. And, and maybe, I mean, that there's, there's, that's even not a sure scenario that that person will still be there because I don't think anybody in the universe had Peyton Turner going to the Saints last year in the first round kind of thing. It wasn't like he was even a first round peg talent that I can think of two years ago. Yeah. But yeah. Um, no. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get into more of that. And, but I think that's why the mock drafts are useful because it's like, okay, what if these guys are on the board? Who are you picking on? Why? Right. That's that's the question I try to answer as opposed to like, oh, I really like this person, blah, blah, blah. I feel like um, the only mock ever gotten right by the Saints media. I think everyone had Sheldon Rankins. I mean, I got I got last year's right. You had Chris Olave and Penny, I didn't or? have them. Tra- I didn't get the tra- I didn't when I do mocks, I don't do trades. Right. That's what I, I did say. have them taking Chris Olave and Trevor Penning. Wow. <laughs> you need to, but I think a lot of people did. I don't think that was a surprise. Like, I, I think that was a pretty, you know, I think they projected their interest and it made sense and they did it. Like, it was an Ohio State guy and the top offensive lineman on the board. <laughs> uh, like, once they traded that second for that second pick, I, it was like previously, I was kind of like prior to them making that trade, I was like, well, they're going to pick one of Chris Olave or Trevor Penning. <laughs> and it was just a matter of which one. Once they got the second pick, I was pretty confident. Anyway, so. That, that won't happen again. This year, I will get it wrong, 100%. Um, but as long as I get, like, the methodology right, like, I had them taking Greg Russo in 2021, which my logic was I think they're going to add a defensive end, and there's a right. lot of interesting defensive ends. So it was just, a, I mean, and Greg Russo went, like, two picks later. So, like, I got the pick wrong, but at the same time, I got the idea right. So I, I consider that a win in mock, in the mock draft first. And would you rather have Russo over Davenport? Over Peyton Turner. Uh, Turner, yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah, I probably would. Exactly. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll get into more of that. So let's let's wrap up this segment because it's kind of gotten a little off the rails. <laughs> and we'll come back and we'll go through that that list of quarterbacks to compare Derek Carr to. It's gonna be fun. All right. Keep it locked in inside black and gold.